everybody. Welcome to the Film for Fans podcast, the podcast from movie fans for movie fans. I am your host, Ryan Dunleavy, joined by uh, Rob Dunham with his Regal Cup. Yeah. Okay. My Regal Cup from my free birthday drink. Hey, there you hey, go. My birthday month. This is not an advertisement for Regal. It's just a fact. <laughs> I don't think I've redeemed my free one for my birthday yet. You get a free popcorn and a free soda every year for your birthday. Yeah. Good to sign up for rewards programs. You get lots yeah. of free stuff around your birthday. Yeah. All right. Well, this is not a rewards-based podcast, though listening to this podcast is its own reward. Mm, deep. It is. And accurate. Yes. Uh, we're going to get into uh, a number of movie deals, considering uh, anything from what would Top Gun have looked like if Elvis was in charge or Elvis was starring in it? Mm. We'll explain that in a moment. Uh, will the next Bond be significantly younger? And, of course, we'll do our fall movie preview. All right, Rob, you ready to get started? I'm ready for the preview. <laughs> well, we're going to have to wait on the preview. From no, okay. We're going to get some preview. The preview. Yeah, we're, we're going to get to some news first. And uh, we are foregoing our normal box office update because, uh, frankly, the box office is not that interesting right now. And we have other stories we'd like to get to. So first up, Batman director Matt Reeves gets a multi-year first-look deal with Warner Brothers. Now, this is interesting. Okay, so just to lay it out here for you. Uh, Matt Reeves directed The Batman, which is the latest Batman movie uh, that did pretty well in the box office. Uh, I was uh, average on that, but hey, you know, it was better than better than some of the other ones. Uh, but now as part of the restructure over at Warner Brothers, uh, they have inked him to a multi-year first look deal. Now, the first look deals are basically what that means is anything he writes, directs, or produces, Warner Brothers has, and their their, their various studios have the first opportunity to make those films. Um, this is a, a big thing for a studio in that they have uh, talent that they've locked up for multi-year deals. And it's big for Matt Reeves in that he knows that he has a home for what he produces. Um, this is obviously a lot of faith and trust in him. Um, as we've seen, there's been a lot of shakeup over at DC. And there's been a lot of dissatisfaction with the quality of the products that they've been putting out recently. And uh, there's an attempt to change it. And it looks like Matt Reeves has made the cut. Uh, Rob, what do you make of this? So I think we can agree the one thing that we have had maybe the biggest issue with DC about with their movie universe is that the direction has been unclear and yes. scattered yes. to say the least so to have potentially um, someone who could be at the fore of at least a couple of characters continuing stories for a little while I think would be beneficial to the studio in general. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting because his work is also going to go beyond movies uh, into TV series. They're developing a Penguin's, uh, uh, the Penguin series with Colin Farrell for HBO Max. 
Uh, so he's going to broaden this um, universe out uh, beyond just simply the box office into uh, TV series. Um, what have you made of, of Matt's work so far? And do you think this is a good hire uh, for Warner Brothers? Uh, I think it's going to take some more uh, work from him for me to know for sure. Although yeah. I think the tone that he set with the Batman is a good direction to head in. If they choose to do that, I think Batman Begins was a little, that series was a little um, more realistic and gritty too. Um, kind of like how the Batman has been. Um I would say the Batman was probably even darker than the Christopher Nolan series. But I do think that might set it apart from uh, the Marvel universe. I think the Marvel universe is in general more lighthearted than the DC universe. And if they can have their own, have their own setting or paradigm, whatever you want to call it, where it's more gritty realistic and they can actually pull it off and have it not be, you know, lame. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think it could work out for them. I think Joker with uh, Todd Phillips also is another one. Um, and I, obviously he's doing the second one, which is going to be very interesting because there's a musical element to it. So who knows what's yeah. happening with that. But yeah, we'll see where, where they're headed with yeah. their stylism and theme. I, I think it could work out for Warner Brothers. I think Matt Reeves has potential. I didn't love how he portrayed. I didn't love the the balance between Batman and Bruce Wayne in the last one. I felt like it was kind of all Batman and no Bruce Wayne. There was no or there. Yeah, I just didn't feel like there was. I felt like he was the same character the entire time. Um. I'm not entirely sure. I the movie was fine. I I didn't have I didn't hate it. Uh, I thought that had some good elements to it, uh, but I wasn't so impressed that I'm like this guy needs to be running all of them going forward. Um, so we'll see. I mean, they've got to start somewhere. So they took the best the best director uh, of the movies they produced recently and said, "Here you go." Uh, hopefully, it works out for him. Yeah, I've seen several people say that the new Batman movie was really like um, a detective Batman story. Yeah. Because it was all Batman trying to figure something out, which is fair, but it's also, it is a little different than some of the other approaches have been. And I'm fine with Detective Batman. Um, I just think his character did not have um, as clear a direction or as clear a distinction as we've seen in other iterations. But um there's definitely there's definitely possibilities to it okay uh for our next story we have an interesting tidbit that comes from a uh a vulture mag uh, vulture article that austin butler who recently succeeded as uh elvis in the Baz lerman film and miles teller who played rooster in top gun maverick were actually up for each other's roles both of them auditioned for each of those roles and were nearly considered. In fact, uh, it sounded like Austin Butler was actually in uh, in the final running, I think, 
for uh, that category before they ultimately decided that he was too young uh, Hmm. to play in Top Gun Maverick. Interesting. Uh, I have a hard time seeing Miles Teller as Elvis. Mm -hmm. I just, I think they made, I think ultimately the, the right call was made here on both instances. I don't think either one of them would have succeeded as well in the role that the other one ended up taking. Uh, there's lots of stories about this of like actors who were up for certain roles or turned down something else. Uh, and I find them, they're always interesting little tidbits. What would you make of this? So I heard that when the studio executives were uh, reached for comment about Miles Teller, they said a little less conversation, a little more action. Oh, star. Geez. Oh, <laughs> I was wondering where you were going with that. And yeah, it wasn't good. Okay. okay. I see how we're, I see how I see how we're doing it. Okay. Right. Um, I, it would have been interesting to see Miles Teller as Elvis. Um, I, I think I feel like Austin Butler put a lot of work and effort into that performance and gave it a lot of emotional weight. Mm-hmm. I think he was fantastic as the character. Um, and I do think Miles Teller was pretty good at playing a somewhat jerk slash haunted person and in uh top gun maverick so i think they both probably ended up the best spots for them yeah teller is very good at playing a character with attitude and edge that's mm-hmm. that's kind of a role that he has had on a regular basis that he has succeeded in that i think has led to him uh having the success he has one thing i would say about butler is butler is a lesser known actor than teller is Uh, One thing I think that helps him with is the transformation into Elvis because you don't see the actor's face. You see someone who's Elvis. And I think that works better in that, in that specific setting than Mm -hmm. it does when you cast a, a well-known actor. Like, like for example, I thought, I thought um, Tom Hanks did a good job playing Mr. Rogers but it's hard to see not Tom Hanks when you're watching that movie. Mm-hmm. Tom Hanks is a big deal. So with Austin Butler playing Elvis, you're not, you just get lost in the idea that this is Elvis and not continuing to struggle with, okay, this is this actor, which I don't know if you would have with, uh, with Miles Teller, but you'd have more of a chance of that. I think. Yeah. I don't think he's quite that big of a name no. yet, but, like you said, he is was a bigger name than Austin Butler at the time. Yeah, I want. I wonder now where they are um, yeah. as far as uh, QI rating goes, as far yeah. as the public perception of them goes. Well, no doubt Butler will be getting more roles coming his way. Yeah, that is for sure. Um, we can guarantee that. Okay, uh, now on to another story that came out. There has been uh, a little bit of an update as to what's going to happen with the next James Bond? And the answer is younger. Yes, they are looking for the next James Bond, but they want someone to be younger. And what we know about this is, um, it's this is, this is the quote here. The latest rumor, and in some ways, part of this rumor is very much true, which is basically the Bond producers are looking for a younger Bond. Sub probably in their 30s. And the reason for this is pretty obvious. Um, Daniel Craig helmed this role for 15 years. And Daniel Craig started when he was 38. Uh, and to be able to pull it off for 15 years is 
uh, takes an exceptional actor. Most actors uh, can't continue to play that demanding a role uh, up until that age. Um, now, Daniel Craig is an exception. He's definitely one who can. Uh, but it makes sense that you'd look for someone younger if you're planning on them having another longer run as Bond. They're saying like at least three films. And it also seems like they want someone taller, uh, someone who's at least six feet, which is interesting. Um, uh, Craig was one of the shorter Bonds when it came to that. Craig broke a lot of the molds. He was blonde. He was, uh, he was shorter. Uh, he was much more physical than a lot of the other Bonds were. Uh, but he did an exceptional job in the role. Now, what this means is uh, there's a lot of uh, big-name actors who have been rumored for this role. Uh, if this is truly the premise, that would leave a lot of them out. For instance, one of my favorites for this was Tom Hardy. Tom Hardy's 44. And we're not close to the next Bond movie yet. Idris Elba, who is also a favorite, uh, is 49 and uh, even on the younger side Henry Cavill is 39 so this probably rules all of them out Rob what do you make of this so it's interesting because I've all like I've just had this thought in my head for the last five or six years that Elba would end up being the person because I, I thought they would want to do something different um, he fits every part of James Bond except that he would be the first not white James Bond which I could yeah. see them wanting to do. Um, so I'm, I'm, I, I'm not sure I believe them because <laughs> <laughs> I still think it could end up being him. I, I don't. If you look back at the history of Bond movies, age doesn't seem to be such a huge thing. If you look at Sean Connery or Pierce Brosnan, or even Daniel Craig now, so I, I don't know, um, how big a deal it really is. I guess the only way it's a big deal is if they decide it is. Yeah. And maybe they have decided it is, but maybe that will lead to someone who's not super well known being cast as James Bond. I mean, to be fair, although he was known a little bit, Daniel Craig was not as well known. He was not as he is now before he was James Bond. Yeah. So. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So what what do you think? Do you th does anyone come to mind when you think of uh, who might be under consideration? I I've read the like the names on the list, but no one really like no one jumped out to me as like oh that person would be great for it. Honestly, and maybe it's because I've been so focused on the few names that you mentioned that people have thought for the last five years. Yeah, so they're saying none of them are under consideration. It's hard to look past that to who else might be um, able to do it who is younger. Yeah. Yeah, I would say um, my my money would be on uh, one of the two one of two actors, the two actors who are famous from Game of Thrones. That would be my guess. And that's Kit Harrington who played Jon Snow or Richard Madden who played Rob Stark. My guess is that we will end up somewhere in that direction. They're both in the right age range. Um, they would both, uh, they both have some level of notoriety I've gotten, but they're not, they're not like massive stars. Mm -hmm. People know who they are. 
so they'd have some, they'd have a lot of name appeal, but they're not massive movie stars. So I, I would, that's my, that's where my thought heads on that. But I don't know. I think Richard Madden sounds more like a James Bond actor than <laughs> everything does. It's worth. You're, it's true. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, we'll see where they head with the next Bond. Now let's move on to our discussion. Our discussion for the day is our fall preview. Uh, so we just last week we did our summer movie review. If you did not get a chance to listen to that, head back to our uh, podcast feed or over to thefilmfans.com and check that out. But now we're going to look ahead. And um, there's a, a lot of lists about fall movie previews. We'll link to one or two of them. Uh, but we thought we'd go through the list and come up with some of our own, uh, which ones we thought uh, look interesting and look appealing coming out over the next couple months. So let's get uh, let's get to that. Rob, uh, what do you got? What do you got for me? What yeah, uh, I was, go back I and was, forth on this. So I was think wondering if maybe we should ask each other first, what is the movie we're most looking forward to mm. out of the list that we looked over so do you have one that you are most looking forward to i would say the one i'm most looking forward to is and now i'm gonna have to like give me one second here i was pulling up one list and i needed the other list for that um the one i'm most looking forward to i think is see how they run Hmm. i think that's the one that appeals to me most right off the bat um and I think it's just the nature of it is, I think, what appeals to me. Um, and actually, maybe we should, because I had this in my, I had this in the notes too. Maybe we should step back here and start uh, start with the difference between summer movies and fall movies. Because I think my explanation as to why I'm interested, why that's my favorite one factors into that. Okay. Uh, so let's talk about that. Let's talk about that. And then I'll get to my, the one I'm most looking forward to. Uh, so let's, what are the differences? Cause there are distinct differences between the movies that come out in the summer and the movies that come out in the fall. So how would you characterize them? I think in general, the movies that come out in the summer, we expect to be, um, I guess the word is bigger. Yeah. Like more bombastic, um, bigger set pieces, more action, uh tentpole blockbuster is the term that's been used for movies that come out like around july 4th Mm -hmm. um or even labor day like we're talking um late summer early fall i guess um and obviously top gun came out early early on in the summer and was another one of those so like i like i said i think it the the action big action um, movies tend to draw better in the summer. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know if it's because um, everyone is able to go like more easily to see things in the summer because kids are out of school and there's more flexibility um, with those kind of things. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot of the big family movies also come out in the summer for that reason that kids can um, be a part of the experience too. Um, so yeah, I think that's the big thing. I think fall and winter movies sometimes you can have um more more likelihood of character pieces or serious movies or more uh mysterious kind of things yeah um more thinking person movies i guess 
Yeah. You want to say it that way? Yeah, you tend to get more dramas, uh, more, yeah, more think pieces, more dramas. Um, it tends to be uh, where your your more indie movies are, have a, have a bigger chance of success. Um, a lot of the movies that end up being in the best of the year discussion end up coming out in fall. It just has a different vibe to it. You don't see as many blockbusters. Uh, you'll still get some around that period around Labor Day and also bunched in around Christmas. But in between, it's just a lot of a lot of deeper, uh, more drama induced movies. Of course, you'll have the horror movies that come out in and around Halloween, uh, which will be kind of a, a diversion and sub segment to that. But you won't see as many action movies. Um, you won't see as many comedies, not that, you know, Hollywood makes comedies anymore that aren't for children, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a different, it's a different style of movie. Uh, so that said, the see how they run is the one I'm most interested in. And it is a detective story. It's, it's basically the story of uh, a, a 1950s London when a, there, uh, a group of actors is making a film around a successful movie and someone is murdered. And so it's kind of a murder mystery, Sherlock Holmes-esque type thing, uh, starring Sam Rockwell and Saoirse Ronan. Has a good cast, Adrian Brody, Daniel Oyelowo. I don't think I pronounced it. Oyelowo. Yeah, I think that's right. Ruth Wilson, uh, amongst others. And... Uh, I'm looking forward to it. I think I think it has. I, I I enjoy murder mystery dramas, and I think this one has the chance to be really good. Yeah, I like Sam Rockwell. So anything and with Sam Rockwell, I'll probably end up seeing at some point. Yeah. What's uh What's the one you're most interested in? Um, the one I am most intrigued by is uh, "Don't Worry, Darling," which comes out September 13th. Okay. Um, starring Harry Styles, Florence Pugh, and Chris Pine. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um as a group of people who live like on a compound in the desert in I think it's either California or Nevada. I'm not really sure. Um, and they work for one, they all work for one company. So it's like a company town and Chris Pine is the head of the company. Mm -hmm. And this looks like um, very taut uh, kind of disturbing suspense with a tinge of horror kind of movie that is, like kind of the genre I'm really into because I really like suspense and it looks like this one has some of the feelings of like Stepford Wives type um, you're not really sure what's going on in the background of everything and things aren't what they seem kind of story and I, re I really like the poster for this movie actually I was looking at it yesterday ah, I didn't see the poster it's got like a plane coming down from the sky but it also looks like the plane is like falling into a pool mm. of water with like the ripples up top on top of the poster and then just the two main characters the guy in his car and the girl leaning over the edge of the car kissing him so it's like the classic 1950s um suburban home yeah. and what actually is going on in this like enclosed community and underneath this one guy's eye yeah interesting yeah so i've been very i've been interested in that since i saw the first trailer for it so okay i think it's definitely like right in my wheelhouse as far as movies that i enjoy watching yeah definitely 
Um, so another one on my list is going to be Amsterdam. Uh, was that on your list? That was not on my list. Okay. Amsterdam has one of the biggest casts of any of the, the movies of the fall. Uh, so, and again, it's another period piece murder mystery. Uh, set in the 1930s, it follows three friends who witness a murder, become suspects themselves, and uncover one of the most outrageous plots in American history. And this has Anya Taylor-Joy, Robert De Niro, Margot Robbie, Christian Bale, Michael Shannon, Zoe Saldana, Tully Oliphant, Rami Malek, Mike Myers, Chris Rock, John David Washington. Yeah. So this movie has everyone in it. Yeah. The movie poster for this is literally like a sun and then an entire list of the cast down the front. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. But I get, again, I love, I love like the, the murder mystery drama type things. And it looks like this one's going to have a lot of interesting stuff to it. So, so speaking of speaking of murder mystery, maybe pushing the limits of what counts as a fall movie for you, but it was on the list. So I'm going to mm-hmm. bring it up. And that's um, Glass Onion Knives Out story, which comes out December 23rd on Netflix. Yeah. Although there is talk about it being released either simultaneously or slightly earlier in the theater. There's still in discussions about that. I think they're ultimately going to release it in theaters. Yeah. I think that the first one made so much money, they'd be daft and not to do it yeah and if they do release it in the theater i will be in the theater absolutely to watch it because i really enjoyed the first one and very intrigued by what they'll do with this one yeah it's and it's it's done a little bit differently i mean have have it definitely has daniel craig back but netflix took over running this one after they spent a ridiculous amount of money to buy the rights to a couple of movies for it so it will be fascinating to see if how this one plays out and other than Daniel Craig, it has a completely different cast in it. So yeah, you never know how that will go. It will be interesting to see which movies end up being better between the Agatha Christie ones and the Knives Out ones. Because mm. they're now running on almost parallel tracks. And they're the classic, like, super detective, you know, I think they're even based off of each other with the weird accents and the... Mm. You know, the odd detective characters and they have very similar, straightforward, classic murder mystery type things. So I'm fascinated to see as to what set ends up being better in its modern. I did I did like that um someone brought up and it might have even been Ryan Johnson himself, or at least Ryan Johnson uh acknowledged it that he thought it might be interesting if Daniel Craig's character had a completely different accent and no one acknowledged it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he was the same person, but just sounded and looked completely different. I think that'd be great. So we'll see what he does. Yeah, interesting. Uh, next one for me, uh, Devotion. This one comes out November 23rd. And uh, this is about a pair of U.S. Navy fighter pilots who risked their lives during the Korean War and become some of the Navy's most celebrated wingmen. Uh, this comes out November 23rd, and this has Glenn Powell, Jonathan Majors, and uh, Serena Swan. And uh, yeah, so this is a, like a fighter pilot drama uh, from the Korean War, which again, we're, we're talking about the 1950s here. And I think it, I think it has a lot of potential to it, and we'll see. It's, uh, yeah, it's I think Glenn Powell really likes flying around, apparently. 
was that? She's also in Top Gun. Glenn Powell must really like flying around. Yeah. So in Top Gun Maverick also. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He's been typecast as a pilot. Yeah. You're only allowed that. to be in movies where you're flying something. Sorry. Yeah, that's rough. <laughs> <laughs> but I think I think it should be an interesting movie. It's going to be as much of, you know, like a lot of these movies, it's much of a character study as it is like about the action in the film. And um there's not enough known about the Korean War. I mean, let's just face it. Like, it's not it's not one of the ones that we study as much in history. You haven't really seen films about it. Uh, so I think it's an underdeveloped uh, avenue for stories. So I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, and then uh, another one for me coming out October 14th, Halloween Ends, mm. uh, which will be on Peacock and the theater. But does Halloween end? No, Halloween does not end. So even though this is called Halloween Ends, there's absolutely about zero percent chance to be the last halloween movie yeah because there will always be halloween movies i'm pretty sure halloween ends part two yeah <laughs> halloween ends again yeah uh yeah yeah it's uh it's it's bold it's bold to put that title up that halloween ends that's uh mm -hmm. you know it's bold yeah Interesting. Uh, I was wondering when you were going to get to the first uh, horror movie. Now that that uh, is an increased genre for you, mm -hmm. yeah. Um. So I, I was trying to decide for my next one. I was trying to decide what direction to go because there's a number of movies that I probably will see, but I'm not sure if they're going to be that good. So I wasn't sure whether to put them on this list or not uh but ultimately i did so we'll just kind of see with that and and the first one up for that is uh black adam and this uh of course stars the rock as another dc um character and um the plot on this one is nearly five thousand years after he was bestowed with an almighty powers of egyptian gods and imprisoned just as quickly Black Adam is freed from his earthly tomb, ready to unleash his unique form of justice on the modern world. This also has Sarah Shahi, uh, Viola Davis, Pierce Brosnan. This is going to be one of your more blockbuster-ish films coming out October 21st. Um, yeah, what, what, do, what, do, what do you make of this? It did not make my list at the expense of another superhero movie that's coming out because... I'm just not as intrigued by it or interested in it as I am the other one that I picked, which I also am not sure it's going to be great, but I'm more interested in than Black Adam. Yeah. Yeah, I picked this one just because I'm like, I will probably go see it, but I don't know if it's going to be good. Mm -hmm. It's going to get a lot of hype. It's going to get a lot of things. I mean, The Rock always draws well. It's, I mean, his, he's... He's a pretty much a box office sure hit for the most part, although I'm sure DC can ruin that because they tend to do that on everybody. Uh, but yeah, I just don't I like this is not a care. I'm not I'm not a big comic book guy. So like I'm not familiar with Black Adam. I, I don't have any attachment to the character whatsoever. Um, I'm we'll probably see it because it'll be in theaters and it will be something to watch. Uh, but I don't know if it's going to be good. So it's going to get a lot of attention this fall, but I just don't know. I don't know what to make of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the one that I picked, that's uh, <laughs> same kind of genre would be Black Panther Wakanda forever. Yeah. Um, 
And I'm more interested in that because I'm interested in where they go with the uh, story without uh, Chadwick Boseman's character. Yeah. Seeing what they do is something that is pretty fascinating to me. So um, no way to know if that's going to be any good or not, but I'm more interested in seeing it than Black Adam. I wonder if you would give the producers and showrunners for these movies truth serum, whether they wish they hadn't immediately declared that they weren't going to recast T'Challa. I understand why in the moment, in the wake of Chadwick Boseman's death and the shock that it was to everybody that you say, hey, we're going to go out honoring this guy. At the same time, there's not a lot left there can also combine with the fact that most of the initial wave superheroes are gone um, to have a T'Challa to hang your hat on would have been pretty big for the MCU. Uh, mm-hmm. So I wondered if they're, they don't in some ways regret not doing that. Well, I think that they were pretty much counting on Spider-Man and Black Panther to be the two characters that carried um, over from the first phase to the second phase. Yeah. So, unfortunately, there's not a whole lot you can do about what happened. Yeah. Yeah. And so, I think with with what they set up in Wakanda, uh, there are a lot of other characters surrounding uh, Wakanda, but they don't have a uniting force. So, it'll be interesting to see if that movie can have a, a focal point to it and can focus the the storyline around something in particular or around a character in particular and make that compelling. That'll be interesting to see. Um, Another one I will say that I don't know what to make of is uh, Moonage Daydream. And this is the biopic uh, of David Bowie. So we're getting, we're getting the run of our biopics of uh, famous musicians from the 20th century over the last few years. Uh, I am not as enthralled with David Bowie as I have been, or as interested in David Bowie as I have been some of the other ones. Um, But if there's one thing you say about David Bowie is the dude was a character. And if you're going to make a drama about a character, he certainly is, is that. Um, And I think this movie um, in seeing the trailers is definitely going to have that freaky vibe to it uh, as they try to capture the music and um, the essence of David Bowie. And uh, this has been sanctioned by the Bowie estate. So um, yeah, that'll be interesting. Yeah. It's kind of like a, like documentary slash biopic yes. combination. Yeah. Thing. Different and, than what we've seen in yeah. some of the other ones. Um, I I really enjoy David Bowie, so I'm very interested by this. this. Is actually probably either second or third on my list of ones I was looking forward to for the fall. Yeah, yeah, so I'll definitely be seeing this. Yeah, yeah. So it'll it'll be interesting. I'm not sure what to make of it, um, but it's going to be a unique experience. So it might be worth seeing just for what they're attempting to do and how they portray that character. Got anything else? That was the end of my list. Okay. Um, I will bring up this one last film. Avatar comes out at Christmas. 
Mm-hmm. And it wasn't on either of our lists. No. And that's what I want to get to. Like, what uh what what are you thinking about Avatar? I mean, waited long enough, I guess. I I think it's gonna make a lot of money, but I have no idea if it's gonna be any good. I don't think there's ever been a bigger movie that has made less of an impact than Avatar. And I just don't like I don't see it. Like I think I think it can be chalked the first one's success can be chalked up as much to what turns out to be a gimmick as anything else. I don't think the story is particularly inventive or unique. And I just don't know that there is enough there to warrant um the time, energy, and money mm-hmm. <laughs> that's been put into it. Um especially the length of time it took him to develop these. I'm just I, I don't know. I mean, we'll see, but I can't say I'm overly uh overly excited to go see it. I mean you can't say that James Cameron has a track record of that he does know what he's doing. So yeah, that he does. All right. Well that's uh that's our fall movie preview. Thank you for uh listening to that. Um now let's move on to our watch list. Movies that we've watched over the last week and what we think about them. Rob, what'd you watch? So I watched a movie called Next with Nicolas Cage. Oh yes, yes. Um, about Nicolas Cage being a mentalist and being able to see two minutes ahead of time in his own life, except when he is with Jessica Biel, and then he can see like forever into the future. Apparently, <laughs> uh, it's very interesting. I was not super impressed by it. It's a cool concept. It was based on a Philip K. Dick. Um, story, mm-hmm. which I'm always down for that. Minority Report, Scanner Darkly, yep. etc. Um, but I did not enjoy it as much as some of those other ones mm-hmm. that I have seen put on screen of his work. Yeah, it it was always an awkward pairing to begin with. And it idea and execution are two different things. And I think execution was definitely the issue here. Um, but it is an intriguing concept. Doesn't help that Nicholas Cage looks like a, a a a homeless former high school teacher who needs a haircut, yeah. and yet he's supposed to be with Jessica Biel. Yeah, doesn't make any sense. No, it doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> it was like we're gonna have Nicholas Cage. Uh, we need somebody attractive to be with him, and it's like really, Jessica Biel doesn't strike me as a Nick Cage guy. Right, yeah. yeah. Um, and then I also watched uh, in the theater last night Bodies, 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 which is new. Okay, what did you make movie. of it? Is so this, this I would not. Layers. Yeah, I would not call this a horror movie. Okay. Um, I mean, it was marketed, I guess, that way, but like, no, no real killing or brutal stuff really happens on screen. Um, so people like people die. There is someone shot, but you don't really see it. You hear it. Um, and the movie just kind of ends. There's no real satisfying conclusion or like, yeah, this is why this happened to the movie. You find out a couple of the characters like just died because they were stupid and it was an accident. So I guess the moral of the story is that it wasn't any one person's fault 
that it happened and it just so happened that when you do a lot of drugs and you're a teenager, then bad things happen. So maybe don't do that. Yeah. Fair enough. But okay. I guess in the movie they're they're technically like um the one girl has said she graduated from college, so I guess they're like college to just out of college age except for the one guy who's like 38 and just hanging out with them you always gotta have one of those not creepy at all no dating the one girl who said she's known him for ever and they say how long and she says two weeks but he's a really good person because he's a libra sign so oh well you know he's a good person yeah okay yep so the movie does a um just that line and a whole bunch of other stuff in the movie is like it is very satirical uh-huh. about modern like um, modern narcissism and and youth culture. So I could see what they were trying to do with it, but I I wasn't super impressed by it. Um, but yeah, I'm sure there are some people who will like it. Thought it was average, below average. Fair enough. Uh, for me this week I watched two movies I watched JFK again Um, this is an interesting movie for me because I find the actual conspiracy theory to be utterly ridiculous Uh, at the same time like the way the story is told is really fascinating and drama producing and like you get into it Uh, so that's that's it it's it's kind of a weird dichotomy for me. It's kind of like um, when I was reading the book of the Da Vinci Code, I was super into the story itself, even though the the biblical analysis is complete rubbish. Uh, but it, it was a fascinating story. So I find JFK to be very similar to that. Uh, the one thing that that struck me this last time watching it through is the ending scene where where Jim Garrison, played by Kevin Costner, is in the courtroom, like. This would totally not happen. He just spends like a half hour just lecturing the jury and telling out this whole story by himself. And like, that's not how courtrooms work. Like the lawyer doesn't just get to stand up there and lecture forever. It's just, that's not the way it works. Uh, So it was just painfully obvious that this was just like a plot device and mechanism uh, for Oliver Stone. Um, But interesting movie. The second thing I watched was Memento. It has been a long, long time since I've watched Memento. Uh, This was the Christopher Nolan film from the year 2000 starring Guy Pearce and Carrie Ann Moss. And this is like, this is the Christopher Nolan, you know, kind of like, I don't don't know the right word. It It was like his introduction his introducing us to non-linear storytelling uh christopher nolan style i think is the best way to put it uh it tells the story of a man who has a short-term memory issue who's looking for the person who killed his wife and you get the story in bits and pieces out of order the entire way and you as the viewer have to pick up on it and combine it together um the him and his brother Jonathan, uh, when they were working on this, literally took the scenes, cut them out of the script, and then threw them basically through them, mixed them up and jumbled them up into a random order to try and as a place to start with this film. 
which is a really fascinating thing about it. Um, but what's so amazing about the way they constructed it is you feel the same dis-ease and disquiet about what's happening that the character is supposed to be feeling but can't because he doesn't have the memory. So you basically fill in almost as the conscience for the main character who is incapable of feeling that conscience, which is a fascinating juxtaposition and something, you know, like really very few people can pull off, but Christopher Nolan, of course, can. Yeah, yeah I think we've seen elements of what he did in this movie in The Prestige and mm -hmm. Tenet and yeah. Inception. Like he he just um, he enjoys that uh, element of playing with mm -hmm. consciousness and time. What I will say about this movie is it's a more difficult movie. It's not a movie you're going to come back and watch over and over again. There's a reason why I hadn't watched it in a very very long time. Like it's just it's it's a difficult movie to watch. Not in terms of a difficult movie to understand, but it's it's an intense storyline. Mm -hmm. And it's just not as, it's not as, what's, what's the phrase? It's, it's more emotionally difficult and it's not as intriguing uh, to be follow up on that story again and again. It's like a movie like Tenet. You just want to rewatch it and get it. You just love the way the story is crafted and the prestige and you want to see it again. This one doesn't quite have yeah. that. See, I think the prestige is the more accessible version of, Memento. That's yeah. what I thought the first time I saw Prestige. Yeah, and it's a much yeah. more elevated in terms of its uh, sophistication, too. But that that being said, um, since I'm who I am, the first time I watched Memento, as soon as it was over, I started over and watched it again. <laughs> and start to finish. Immediately. Because yeah. I was like, I need to watch that again. Yeah. Yeah. Alright, you got anything else, Rob? I do not. Okay, that is all we've got. Film for Fans podcast this week. Uh, have a great week, and we will see you next time. Enjoy the movies.